Today we talk Yom Kippur, the Book of Life, and forgiveness with God and man. This is Michael Stevens. This is the Frequency Podcast. So while we wrapped up the Lord's Prayer in the last episode, we have to note that today's verses are really just a continuation of it in a lot of ways. It's it's kind of like a reprise in music where the song is over, but you go ahead and throw in another chorus or go back to the bridge or pull something from somewhere else and then go back to the song. You know, it's something worship leaders are famous for. Uh, quite frankly, some worship leaders are a little infamous for it and just need to stop it. I mean, sometimes even the Holy Spirit is like, bro, you sang that chorus 17 times today, which was about 13 times more than I was on it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm kind of kidding. Anyway, some of you know who you are. So I, I do I do want to encourage you, though, in your study of the word, in the study of the Bible, especially when Jesus is speaking in the New Testament, to ignore the headers, uh, ignore the chapters and the verses, because the Bible wasn't originally written like that, obviously. And I don't think anyone's ever written a long email or a handwritten letter to somebody and then titled it, given it sections, given it chapters, given it verses. I mean, that, that would just be silly. I mean, it'd be laughable. I mean, uh, you know, I'd be obnoxious to be honest, but I don't, I don't, I, we don't do that. And, and neither did they, they weren't, they weren't written like that. Those were added later by scholars for study and for reference purposes. And, and while they're super helpful when it comes to study and references, especially when we're teaching or, or discussing the text, uh, they often cause us to break up a continuous strain of thought of Jesus's when we're reading the Bible and it, what ends up happening is it hinders the context of what we're reading and it often limits the impact of, of what it was supposed to have. And it causes a lot of people to take verses completely out of context in the Bible, which is an honest, it's a very honest mistake, but I would encourage you one good exercise to do is you can actually go in and, and you can download entire books of the Bible without chapters or, or headers or verses. And I would encourage you to go, pick a book like Philippians or Galatians in a short one and do that and then read it, read it through and add your own titles and sections. You'll be amazed at how you probably section things out differently than the scholars do. So anyway, if, if you notice here in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, it starts off for, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you also. But if you do not forgive others and their sins, your, your father will not forgive your sins. In other words, Jesus is immediately ending this prayer in which he just told them to forgive others. And he sandwiches temptation and being delivered from evil right in between a statement about forgiveness from the father. And so it's important that it, when you read in the Lord's prayer and you get into these verses, you're reading one continuous statement from Jesus. This is kind of the reprise on the Lord's prayer. Jesus goes back and points out something he thinks is super important in in the, the the prayer that he gave which again remember this was a, a summary of the things that were important to Jesus out of out of the, the the daily prayers they read and I've read a lot on this verse and there's a lot of teaching out there unfortunately that says if you don't forgive everyone in your life you're nullifying your salvation and you're in danger of hell regardless of being a follower of Jesus and it, you know this statement that that's not what this is this statement as we'll see in context, is reminding people of a very Jewish thought tied to their daily walk with God. So this was not a this was not an unknown unknown statement or, or concept. In other words, I just want to refute that that if you were to suddenly die and hadn't forgiven someone yet, 
you're not going to hell. <laughs> it's ludicrous. Um, however, walking in unforgiveness will hinder your relationship with God, with people, uh, internally and physically. And this could be multiple episodes long going through the parables of unforgiveness, scriptures, health studies, its impact on the human body, all of that stuff. But I'll leave that for you to dive into if that's an area you want to dive into it. There's lots of good books and articles on the subject. Uh, the Bible's pretty good too, just saying. So first, let's look at this. The, the, the prayer that Jesus gave them, again, was a condensed version of the Shemaniah's, right? The Kaddish. Uh, what, and it's what Jesus considered the most important pillars of their prayer life. It were the things he considered, you know, when teaching them how to pray, here's the things I would focus on. And the key to this is the tonality and the intimacy of this prayer is that it begins with Abba and it's bookended with Abba in this statement. Abba, intimate name for the father. It's not just a, a, an honorary term. It's, a, it's an intimate term to call the father and it should be read and prayed is a son or a daughter talking to their father and, and pictured as a loving father listening intently to you and responding to your petition and your and 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 bless, with blessings. And the Jewish people had a really good understanding of forgiveness between people and its relation to the father. There's lots of content in rabbinic literature as well. Uh, a couple examples being whoever refrains from acting his measure, the, the heavenly court forgives his sins as it is written, Micah 7, 18, who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act. Whose sin does he forgive? One who passes over sins. Uh, another one from rabbinic literature, he who is merciful to others, mercy is shown to him by heaven. While he who is not merciful to others, mercy is not shown to him by heaven. One more, he who is merciful to men, Toward God is merciful in heaven. And if you notice, these are right in line with Jesus's words, as well as tied directly to lots of scriptures. And again, I'd encourage you to, to dive into that. Now, you may have heard of the Jewish holiday Yom Kippur. It's one of the most important holidays in the Jewish calendar. Uh, lots of Jews who don't observe any other calendar day they won't work and will fast and even attend synagogue on this day. It's kind of like a lot of Christians, so to speak, with Easter and, and Christmas. They might not come all year, but they'll show up at Christmas, Easter, um, or you know, barbecue or snow cone day or donut day, something like that. Yeah, I just took a shot there. So it means uh, <laughs> so many things I want to say, but... And I'm thankful that people come on those days and and I pray that when people do come on those days that they they do get encountered, they get their socks knocked off by the Holy Spirit and it becomes the start of a new thing, which is really where, similar to Yom Kippur, it means a day of atonement. Uh, it's a day for self-introspection, to atone for the sins of the past year. And I think that's probably what happens with a lot of Christians too, is they show up on Christmas or Easter and I think there's this automatic reflection over things they should or should not have done the last year, such as, as being in church and connected to a local body of believers. Now, Yom Kippur takes place at the beginning of what's called the Days of Awe. And the Days of Awe are the 10 days starting with Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, and ending with Yom Kippur, um, which is known as the Days of Yah, or also known as the Days of Repentance. And it's believed that during the Days of Awe, God inscribes all of our names in either the Book of Life or Death, and the judgment in these books is sealed. This is pretty serious stuff. However, Yom Kippur only atones for sins between 
man and God. In fact, all of the sacrificial system was designed not to atone for sins between man and man, but between man and God. And to atone for sins against another person, you have to first seek reconciliation uh, with that person and then seek to right the wrongs you committed against them if possible. And it just as a side note, this is kind of fun. It's customary to wear white on the holiday, which symbolizes purity, calls to mind the promise that our sins uh, shall be made white as snow, uh, Isaiah 118. Uh, some people even wear a, a kittle, which is the white robe in which dead are buried, which is just interesting. It brings some fun insight and meditation to those in the white robes around the throne and the book of Revelation washed by the blood of the lamb. So um, it, it's common, let's keep going here. It's, it's common on this day on Yom Kippur for people to take extra measures to seek reconciliation with others, make phone calls, write emails, write letters, because because of they feel the weight and they feel the severity of the day of atonement. So when Jesus makes this statement right after praying, it's so much more than than we tend to give it credit for as where they would have had a a constant reminder of the blood of sacrifices being offered up and the severity of sin and the price to be paid for it. And most of us don't have any idea of the grotesqueness of sin. And I grew up in the South. So, I mean, even before we moved here, one of our neighbors came home and he was cleaning a deer hanging from his basketball post in the neighborhood. And if you've, if you've ever seen an animal, like a, a deer cleaned, which is what, you know, what they do when they, they kill it and bring it home. Uh, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about and they, they extract the meat from it and they leave the carcass and everything else. That's the, the growth that that's a picture of, of the grotesqueness of sin. That's what would take place um, at the altar. And so they, when Jesus said this, they, they tied this to the day of, of Yom Kippur. They tied this to the day of atonement. And they had a, a very visual reminder of, of the grotesqueness of sin. And we as Christians should have an even more vivid picture of the price being paid. And we should feel the weight of this passage. So hear me out. The father who we are praying to he gave his only son, his prized possession, the express image of himself, not only to die for us, but to be brutally beaten, scourged, mocked, and crucified so that we would be reconciled together with God and to be adopted as sons and daughters of the father of Abba. And even if, as I was preparing this podcast, my girls were getting into a fight outside our bedroom and it really grieved my heart. And frankly, it ticked me off because they were being ridiculous as little children tend to do. And the days that they are fighting, arguing, bickering, whining, tattletelling on each other, those are are difficult days in this house. Complete, complete stark contrast to the days that they're playing together well and enjoying each other and they're being sweet and kind and honoring. And it's not only because those, those days like the, the, to the contrary, where they're bickering and fighting and everything. It's not only because it's annoying as a parent, but it also prohibits us as parents from sometimes doing the things that we want to do with them. Like the days we want to bless them or want to take them somewhere or, or want to do something fun with them, or even just sitting down as a family playing a game or, or cooking or whatever it is when they're, when they're fighting and bickering, it prohibits that atmosphere. It creates not only a breach between the two of them, but really a rift between us and us and them and what we desire to do for them. Now, our love and affection for them doesn't change. We'd still lay down our life in a second for them. 
but it does prohibit blessing and experiencing the full joy of a healthy family, of a healthy house. And so Jesus wrapped up this prayer telling the people to pray for the messianic kingdom to come. This was a very messianic prayer tied to the, the Shema Ezra and the Kaddish and that he just got through telling him to pray for the reign of God to be established on earth as it is in heaven. He prayed a prayer riddled with messianic cries and petitions for the next stage to be other, ushered in. And then Jesus reminds them, if you want the father to release what the father wants to release to you, you have to walk in the place of forgiveness as he has done. I'm about to demonstrate the heart of the Father on on how much he desires to forgive, how much he hates discord and sin, how much he wants you all in the book of life. And when you walk in unforgiveness, it's a mockery to the links the Father has already gone through throughout history to forgive you, to forgive this people time and time and time again, to give chance after chance after chance. And for those in the future, it will be a mockery of the cross. To walk in unforgiveness in the Father's house is to act like you are not the father's and he has not done for you what he has done for you and given to you what he is about to give to you in me. So as we head into the weekend, let's just feel the weight of this passage. Let's feel the joy that comes from it, that when we do walk in a place of forgiveness, the fruits of the spirit, the blessings of God, the the, uh, the blessings of the father that are released in our life. Let's walk into this, this weekend Understanding that while the Father's affection and love for us is unyielding, that his love is steadfast, our unwillingness to forgive others will limit God's enjoyment of us and keep us from the depths of intimacy he desires to encounter us in and limit the blessings in our lives. But with an understanding that when we walk in forgiveness, all of those things are released. Thanks again for listening. This is Michael Stevens. This is the Frequency Podcast. 